Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Give me the over-under on there being another World Baseball Classic that MLB players are allowed to participate in. Oh, they, they will. Just say, same thing happened last time. This is why we were talking about this as being problematic. Just contracts are even bigger. I mean, <laughs> the Mets... So Edward Diaz and Jose Altuve are out for a while. Diaz out for the season. Altuve, bro- these, broken thumb, these broken thumb things are a nightmare. Uh Ugh, stuff in the hand, handmade bone. Like, I, yeah. why, why would I know what that is? Except that when Pablo Sandoval gets hit in the hand, he breaks it. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is a lot for Major League Baseball teams to stomach. I feel like for just not a lot of return on World Baseball Classic. I mean, I. I I don't know. I, they could start putting it. I don't know if it's in contracts. Could it be in contracts? I assume. I mean, there are contracts where they say you can't ride a motorcycle. Like NBA contracts are like you can't do anything except for play in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are ones where it's like don't you can't go skiing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so why isn't like why would they let guys play in the World Baseball Classic if they're well? Anyway, I mean, now, could you imagine being skiing and seeing Kevin Durant skiing? That would be like. Be the most terrifying thing you could ever imagine going like on a chair. It was like, I'm not going to get on a chairlift with that guy. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, did somebody pay Daniel Bard to peg Jose Altuve in the hand? I, Daniel Bard did that for free. It looked like on his face after he hit him, it was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I mean, major major fantasy implications here, obviously. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm more... I waffled about which one I'm more interested in. Like, which hole am I more interested in? Jeremy Pena's playing every day, <laughs> I guess, for sure now, right? And mm-hmm. and the Mets are going to have to buy a new closer because they don't have one on their team. Yeah, that... Um, that... that bo- it was one of those bullpens that was dependent on, okay, our starters are going to go seven. And then we're really going to have to duct tape this in the eighth inning. But we'll probably, because they'll be well, well rested, it'll be good enough. And then once we get to the ninth, we should be fine and hit some bombs. Yep. And they don't have that. So, so yeah, that really doesn't work. Numenor. Mm-hmm. Numenor. You we just yada yada through a bunch of stuff. You thought that this week's reading was more boring. I thought this week's was more illustrative because it really showcased the departure from the show uh well okay yeah boring stuff oh they just made the rings of power and sauron (laughs) came back you know boring boring no but yeah it's is boring because this is the stuff that we already knew the thing that just reminding ourselves Mm -hmm. after the rings of power show tried to trick us into thinking something else right there are a lot of things that i had wanted out of this like i've been i want to know tell me everything that i can learn about the nazgul 
And it's just like, and they appeared. These nine guys, they appeared. They're undead now. <laughs> like, where? Where did they come from? Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that isn't it frustrating? Who 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 were they? Two to three of them were from Numenor, and uh, whatevs. <laughs> like, what? Were Numenorians? Numenorians. They may never set foot in Numenor. Oh, that's a good point. So you're saying, okay, so you're so they could be part of the part of the Middle Earth outposts, seduced by power. Okay, a hundred percent. That has always been my assumption. That's a good. That's a good assumption. It also it also annoys me that the Palantir are just also so yada yada. Like, and then they took the stones. <laughs> like, do <laughs> yeah. these stones matter? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they brought these. All right, so we're so we'll finish this for next finish week. It. Is that the idea? Finish it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is not that much. Finish him. I almost don't even want to talk about Mandalorian season three, episode three, or as they're calling it, <laughs> chapter nineteen, which. Oh, man, it's just its own thing. And then after you made a a horrifying suggestion, I went on a Mm -hmm. deep dive, and I'm convinced that you're right. So you want to catch catch the listeners up on where we're at? Yeah, Mandalorian, yeah. So we watched this episode high on just seeing the missile soar or whatever, you know, in the down below the Mines of Moria. Yep. Um, Pull out of the water, and then all of a sudden, some amnesty program on Coruscant as soon as he started talking about cloning and we see this program I'm like this is I, I just immediately said shit this is how we're going to get get to episode 9 this is how we're going to get to episode 9 I don't know how it's going to go but I know this is the path to get to episode 9 and by the end of the episode when he's getting his mind flayed and we have the person watching flaying it's like well, okay we, is this a spoken? I think, yeah, and and I on the reading, I realized even more that supposedly Snoke is just created. So it's actually even more than Episode Nine. It's actually, you know, all the way back to Episode Seven, right? Because Snoke is not is supposed to be a clone. And I guess if you watch everything, you notice that they've been cloning. And there's a tie-in to Obi Wan to Obi Wan to to Kenobi, where they've been where they talk about how the, there had been a cloning program to try and make Palpatine live forever since back in the day. So they've actually been laying these breadcrumbs for a year now. I didn't realize that on the Obi-Wan connection, but that does it, some of it was did feel overlappy. Well, cuz he cuz he gets um, to in Obi-Wan he gets to where they've where they kept all of the force sensitive bodies. Oh, oh, right. Right. Okay. Right, right, right in the yeah when he's breaking in yeah exactly so they've got they've got all of that okay never mind i do that's the that. early part of like palpatine searching for immortality and then this is just late game that yeah so he's this 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 scientist is the key all right let's get into some baseball here we are going to talk about i'm going to frame this as tie breaking at the end of drafting and or looking for those impactful pieces at the end of drafts and just trying to make some some breaks at the end of the draft trying to decide who to pick and the reason that we're talking about this is because last week we idly wondered about this sense of team quality and whether that sort of does a rising tide on a good team lift all boats (laughs) like the worst people so is there a correlation between between team quality and runs rbi home runs stolen bases average it's a well-posed question 
Except it's extremely hard to answer because there's so many there's so many sure. parts. <laughs> sure, and and you, yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. There's so many things that we have to define yep. before we can and start even answering the question. So let me tell you the null hypotheses oh. must be stated. So let me tell you about the tool, and then or what? Okay. Let me tell you about what I did, and I think this is going to be an agile okay. approach because I think we just kind of need to refine what we mean basically at every step of the way. And the first piece is how do we define team quality? And my question here is how do we get at this idea that farm teams and coaches, et cetera, make a big difference in player outcomes? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I mean, you can, we, on this podcast, we've really stuck with stats that you can pull out of fan graphs or out of Savant. Data space. Exactly. Yeah. This is a place where I think data space breaks down unless you have a great idea <laughs> for what we should be looking for. No, but I think that you've got it here of the, I mean, I think that we judge a team based on the run differential that we get at the end of the season, which is tough to say, which means that it is tough to then go back and and then predict preseason what the run differential will be at the end of the season. But... My guess is that we can use our friends in Las Vegas hmm. as a way in the preseason to get to wins and, and run differential because they're going to be right more often than not. If, we, if you're looking, because right at the end of the year, we can say the quality of the team was their run differential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that I, I think that that's something that we have said. I think that we we can base things on that. Now the problem that we're seeing chicken and egg here is like okay, well that's that's really great, but then that means that we have to wait till the end of the season to say uh, to make any forecasting. But if we're able to get into a run differential, you know, y is a function of of x times um, run differential plus a constant. Then I think that we could be able to back into that in the preseason by saying run differential, like some equation to get over under lines from Las Vegas into run differential. Oh, I, I think we can definitely do that. I mean, right. So I was thinking, so one thing that I didn't do was try to study run differential convergence over the season, which is a thing that we've yeah. we've kind of studied before. And that's a place where yeah, I, I like okay, so let me take a step back. I like what you I like where your head's at, which is how do we get more external information into the problem? And mm-hmm. lines from Vegas, awesome. I mean, we we know that that works. That works year in and year out, essentially. Um I would also like to study the convergence, but I think I put down it I put lower down, you know, that basically that run differential correlates with win rate pretty well. I mean, and there's a there's a first thing you can you could try to measure with this, but it's not the same teams getting the same high run differential every year, even though, right. Even though we kind of wish it was, I mean, this all kind of started, this all kind of grew out of a Paul Goldschmidt conversation, right? (laughs) Which was, man, the Cardinals are really good at making a systems team. How do you, Mm -hmm. how do we reflect that in the guys that we're getting? Basically the question is, should you pick a, a Cardinal over a Washington national like random, you know, replacement level guy on either one of those teams? And the answer is always yes, of course. And the question was, how do you, how do we prove that? 
Right. So I guess part of my question also for run differential is what kind of time scales are we looking for trends on? I mean, I want to know if a team is good over several years because I want to know if the farm teams and the coaches are working out. But I don't know how to measure right. that over a couple of years. But we don't. Yeah, is it the yeah is it the three year average to so the running three year average Maybe. of run differential? Is that more interesting because then that that gets rid of some of the peaks and valleys of yeah. a team like I'm, I don't know a middling team like the Twins, <laughs> randomly winning a hundred hundred games yeah. over one year or over. You know, or then they have two 100-win seasons over three and then one 70-win season. You know, we, we're um, kind of normalized that. That normalized, smooth it out, I guess I should yeah, say. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that I want to attack because the question is, like, if I pick up a Twins player this year, what are the odds that that team is going to put it together? And mm-hmm. yeah. it, I mean, I guess I should, the Red Sox are sure. just in the same boat, sure. right? Of, of, like, you can't. The team quality is not has not been consistent. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. And again, I mean, this is kind of a this is a big time chicken and egg problem writ large, which is you know, are teams good because players are good, or are players good because the team is good? And I I want to try and tackle. I have some numbers to throw at you, and then we can kind of. Okay, let's start, let's start talking about numbers. Side of these yeah. makes sense. All right, so we're looking at correlations. So the key thing here is take the run differential. This is a one-year one bucket right now. In 2022, take run differential and look at the top third of guys on every team in a specific stat category. This is going to be our fiducial. So basically, for each team, look at the whole distribution of all the runs that every guy on the team got take only the players the top third of that and my ref my thought there okay. was like okay these are probably the fantasy relevant guys roughly more mm-hmm. or less we don't need oh so this is another piece that we have to what's the number of players in this relevant? yep and that's why i and you'll see that's why i i tried a couple different values okay and so the question is how how tight is the relationship between those the top third of the team the top the top stat getters or the stat getters on each team and the team quality. And so what I have for you here is for each stat, I have the R squared and the slope as well. So you can try and see how how strong of a relationship this is. Let's start with runs. So for runs, what you see is that the better the team, the more runs the top third of the team gets. This is pretty is pretty straightforward. I mean, who knew? The run yeah, differential has to come right. run differential has to come from somewhere. Runs are the most correlated in general with this, which makes which makes okay. perfect sense. We're also doing run differential, so runs. Are- <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it kind of it shows you a couple things, right? I mean, if you ask if you ask what the number of runs that a team scores versus the number of RBIs, it's actually those numbers are actually different. Right, the like different. runs are always the bound, the upper bound on that. Uh, and basically, this home runs being more correlated than RBIs, but not materially. Not materially, but but similar correlation. So runs, RBIs, home runs, all show similar rates. So basically, again, this this tells you what you this tells us what we wanted to know, which was, yeah, you want to find a guy who's on a team with a high run differential who's available. Like you would rather take the guy on you'd rather take a guy on the Yankees, like the guy batting sixth on the Yankees, 
than mm-hmm. the guy batting third on the Nationals. And I mean, I'm picking on the Nationals, but like seriously, they scored almost. But you know, they, they scored right. basically half the runs of the Yankees last year. <laughs> like, if you look at the team totals, yes, you're not going to be able to get runs. If you look at the yeah. team totals; they just didn't score runs. Not only was the run differential horrible, yeah. they just didn't score. So don't don't pick them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Average. Sorry, Lane Thomas. <laughs> average sort of correlated. Uh, pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this. Pretty yeah. scattered, plotty, little bit, and stolen bases basically none. Yeah. So don't. Yeah, don't model run differential off of stolen bases. So I I can't decide. Is this is this profound or is this super common sense? <laughs> like we kind of we kind of knew this, right? Luis Arise was amazing at average on the Twins. <laughs> Right, and it didn't it didn't mean anything. And it didn't mean anything. But Aaron Judge was really good at home runs last year, and the Yankees blew everyone out of the water in terms of run differential. Do you know that the Yankees were the highest right. were the highest run differential last year? Were the highest run differential in seven years? In seven yeah. years, wow! Yeah, they probably should have won the World Series. They probably should have won the World Series. Yeah, highest highest run differential last year. So they kind of ran up the score though in the first half, and then coasted. They did. They did. So what what happens if you look at slightly different slices? If you ask, okay, what about the top half for guys on each team? Now now you're you're asking you're talking about quite a lot of guys, right? You're talking about actually a, a larger universe than you need for fantasy relevancy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this means your utility infielder right. is in this population. Exactly. All trends get softened. So the more guys you include the more the trends, the more the correlations soften. So everything goes down. Runs, RBIs, home runs gets quite a bit weaker. Average is the same. Stolen bases gets weaker. Just everything... Ev- it sounds like we have some p-hacking here, but... Uh, no, that's, but that, that's why I'm showing you the different No, 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 we could. We, we, this is what it is. We could do some p-hacking here to get the story that we want Oh, to. 100%. I mean, I think that's actually... This is actually where I'm getting to with this with this data study is that, like, Mm, I don't know exactly what to do with this because you you could p-hack this. So again, how about this? Now take just the top. Now instead of percentiles, numbers, top five guys only for each team. And here what you see is that you basically, for runs, RBIs, home runs, you're more or less at the top half. Your average and stolen bases both get really softened on this, the relationship between these. Well, this, but okay, but... If we go back to the Paul Goldschmidt question, this seems to back up my stance, which was to say that if you put a good player on a good team, you can trust that their runs will probably get higher. You can't necessarily, you can't say to the same surety that RBIs or home runs will, and that average and stolen bases will not be affected, will not materially be affected. Right, and that's it. Seems like that is what what we're seeing. Yeah that that is that is the story. I guess that is. I guess that's the most profound thing to say. Is the question of right? I shouldn't be thinking about this in the context of how do I how do I break ties with guys that are marginally ownable. I should be thinking about it like Paul Goldschmidt changed teams or. Uh, Jerks and Profar is now with the Rockies, <laughs> which is also news from the past right. week. I mean, so it's like, okay, how is that going to affect, how is that going to change their values? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that we, we shouldn't probably take it too far. I mean, as we're seeing, I mean, 61 is R squared, yeah. right? 60, 61 R squared for runs. That's pretty no, legit. No, it's, it's, you know, the correlation is obvious, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what then we can say, I mean, Jeremy Pena going from uh, quadruple A to clearly has his spot. Yeah in the in the Astros infield he's gonna get a lot of runs yeah <laughs> he's right yeah and I guess the the, it, the converse is like Dansby Swanson goes from Atlanta who had a very who had top mm-hmm. two run differential last year now goes to the Cubs unless the rest of the Cubs team can put it together I would expect to see runs RBI regression for him coming back down those are probably gonna regress yeah unless that team just clicks right and then i so i guess so i guess we're gonna have to look at at early run differential indicators so i think okay so if i were to assign myself a task going forward it would be how do you identify how do we now identify early run differential indicators which will tell us something about what we expect for runs rbis home runs well let's let's do a little look at um run differentials to historical over over i i think you are right on it i think you're right on it yeah, Mike's like, I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming of someone to ask me for this. <laughs> I get to look at Vegas lines for something real? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. But we, yeah, can, can we get, um, are there prop bets as well that we could that we could take a look at? Yeah. I'm, it's like Mike's eyes are just glowing here, listeners. It's like, oh, wow, this is, this is great. What are, the, what are the indicators from Las Vegas that we can have to try to get to run differential? I love it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm. Could we could we forecast uh could we forecast this for this year? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got I have a great I have a great task for this week. I feel awesome. Um yeah, I'm I'm gonna work on that and just thinking a little bit. I'm gonna try okay, so I'm gonna try that and I'm gonna try historical team data, try to figure out what can you do smoothing this out over a couple of years. Um what kind of information what kind of information is available on the, the team basis over a couple of years. So I'll take a look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Are we gonna do you wanna do MLB over-unders? I think we should do MLB. We should do MLB over-unders. Reds over right now. That's what I got. I agree with that. I don't know what the number is. Hopefully it starts starts with a six. But (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. Matt Olson. Matt Olson. How about this? On his first year with it. Did we... we (laughs) Drop off a cliff here? What what happened? On on our first year, uh, we basically did, yeah. Uh, first year in Atlanta last year, he plays 162 games, but he only gets 699 plate appearances. Sorry about that. Uh, 34 home runs in this, 86 runs, 103 RBIs, and a stunning 240 average, zero stolen bases. So we're not gonna. I don't think we need to waste any time. I mean, he's a, he's a first baseman's first baseman. Yeah, he's yeah. just his impression of Freddie Freeman was <laughs> the difference. Was that the difference between a World Series and not a World Series, Matt Olson? Uh, I mean, I think so. You bump you bump both his you bump everything up by ten. <laughs> I mean, not the home runs, but you bump up his RBIs by ten, bump up his runs by ten, bump up his average by ten points. Yeah, it's kind of where you want to be. In the playoffs, it is a guy like that. The difference between a Freddie Freeman and a Matt Olson that's gonna that's gonna result in a more more wins. I mean, I I am happy, I am happy to see him 
off of the A's for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Even even though in 2021 he scores 101 runs and 111 RBIs, which is like <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah, but I think I think in but we know that that the, as the A's go, one never knows exactly. I and I like there's a lot to like around him in Atlanta in that lineup. Obviously, anytime you're anytime you're in a lineup with as much as I disagree with it, the consensus number one overall pick <laughs> in fantasy. I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're doing okay, right? I mean, you get to you get to bat Acuna in is what you're supposed to do. That is your job. <laughs> yeah. You being you yeah. being Matt Olson. That's not a bad job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about it a much easier job than in, in Oakland. You, you want to walk through some of his uh, underlying statistics? Here? I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm very curious what you've dug out. All right. Uh, what do you think his BABIP was? Uh, I'm going to guess I think low. I think we should assume that 260 is like a, a the BABIP that we're going to be going for here with first base. Okay. I was thinking I was thinking in the 260 270 neighborhood for him. Just totally pedestrian. Yeah. So he's 274 this uh this last year and he was 269 the year before. Okay. Um he was 227 in 2020, small sample. He was 300 in 2019. Ooh. So I don't know 274 sounds about right. 274. So don't expect okay. I guess to say don't expect his average to just climb based on that. They don't his... do they shift against him? They, do we know? Uh you I'd be no, there'd be no reason. He has a he has a very uniform spray chart. Yeah. Um, so isolated power is the one that I think is kind of interesting. In 2021, it was 269. Last year it was 237. Ooh. Okay. So we might go the right the right direction. His career average is 253. I think. Uh, so that. Yeah. I mean. So maybe a little bit more power. I think that I think that we we are probably going to see that when we have Acuna out there and um, and we have a the actual team Mm -hmm. more of the season he struck out a lot more last year than he did in 2021 just looking at looking at his that his k rate here he struck out more and he walked less yeah that's i i don't i mean i don't like a i don't love a three true outcomes look for him (laughs) no we want it to be like that that's why that 2021 was so good because a a 13 percent walk percent 13 percent walk rate and a 16 17 percent k rate it's that's not bad Right. That's yeah. That's forty percent of of the outcomes when it comes to the plate is a strikeout or a yeah. walk. I mean, he's that's crazy. <sighs> don't don't love that. Um, that's crazy. What is the MLB coming? I to? think yeah. I mean, boy, his twenty twenty one percentile rankings are just just gorgeous. He's doing a good job. I mean, so he hits the ball hard. He K'd a lot last year. He whiffed a lot last year. Do we think in general whiffs go up or down with the pitch clock? Or is it not correlated? Do we know? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, we can uh, conjecture as much as we want. I'm gonna guess that there, there's that this is gonna limit the number of Ks and walks. I think there's gonna be more random flyouts and and um, hitting into infield. Yeah, stuff. That'd be my guess. I mean, I, I don't. But who the fuck I don't knows? know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be contact is good for somebody like Matt Olson. He has great contact stats i mean his barrel percentage is really high yeah wow i just looked at his arm strength i know he is <laughs> the laughable he, he i told you he's a first baseman's no first baseman first. he's just yeah steals zero is. bases yeah. and he doesn't throw the ball he can he can get it back to the pitcher and that's about it 
Yeah, I mean, Matt Matt Olson might be a really good case study for what the changes. You know, if you you wanted to create the population of players mm-hmm. of like, how does the pitch clock? Um, does the pitch clock matter? Like, I guess Matt Olson would be in that population where you should take a look. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if he moves any direction, you'd be able to. You'd try to probably pinpoint that. Mm-hmm. But geez, we talked about Paul Goldschmidt last week. To Matt <laughs> I Olson, know. I know. Well, I mean, it does. It's not. Let me just put it this way: it's not getting any better. <laughs> <laughs> it is sort of how we've designed this review session uh, thing. No, but it, I mean, it get, this is kind of the the real doldrums, right? You've made it just far enough that we're not. You're not on the guys that you can build your team around. Matt Olson's a good piece, but you cannot build a fantasy team around him. It's not possible. No, 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 no. You could you could say I, I took Pete Alonso. How does my team look? Yeah. What do I do? And I think that that makes sense. But yeah, if you. Matt Olson is like, hopefully you have two or three building blocks yeah. ahead of him. Although I think you probably were, oh yeah, because I guess you're getting him, even in TGFBI, you're getting him in the third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, two. Two guys ahead of yeah, him. Yeah, okay. Who hopefully, hopefully you have some speed. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so. And hopefully you have someone that that gets hits for average. Right, so in a 10-teamer, you have three guys. So you hopefully have th- three guys before him, maybe four if you're super lucky. So that's kind yeah. of fun. So that, then I could I could work with that, but yeah, I mean that's I see I see where you're at. I would be, poof, yeah, I I would just feel much better having Paul Goldschmidt. But you know maybe maybe Matt Olson will play another 162 games and get 120 RBIs and 110 runs. Or, <laughs> but this is why this is why people reached for him because they just knew wasn't there. Yeah, they they knew that the the people reached for Paul Goldschmidt. We were saying that last week, like wow, people reached for yeah. him. It's because here, going Matt Olson is very different player that you can't build around. Yeah. Who are we doing next week? We're going to talk about Jose Abreu. The cliff continues. <laughs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still to you, buddy. We're still to you, too.